This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash MySavings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on RootMetrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. about Eric DaCosta and what has not worked during his tenure, a brief tenure, as the Ravens GM. Joining me today, Grant Robertson from the UK, Scotland specific. You're going to notice him by the accent. Grant, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, Ken. How are you? Uh, yeah, life is good. No complaints here. Uh, we're, we're getting closer to football theoretically, which is nice to see. And uh, unfortunately... A little unusual offseason for us because we don't have 
uh, normal things to report about. Normally, we'd be watching preseason games. We'd be observing things. I'd be able to write about individual players. That would be fun. Or we'd go to the complex, and we'd be seeing practice. And, and even though practice itself can, can be kind of BS when they're playing in shorts and no pads, it can it at least gives you some wide receivers to get hyped about. Exactly, and then we never see them again. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, so if you're a, if you're a fan of uh, any number of names and wide receivers in the past, but if you want to get excited about Antoine Wesley, this is your time of year to 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 do that or about. Uh, it was a nice photograph, wasn't there? When he was about twenty yeah. feet in the air. So that's all no, we've got this year. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, that's great. I mean, I'll, I, I'm sure someone will make the team as a UDFA this year. Uh, the Ravens have always kept one on the initial roster and or for a number of years they have. Uh, I, I, this would be the year that there could be a break in it. And some of the favorites, uh, one tight end and Bronson Recksteiner are already gone. But uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they settle on the final roster this year. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to the topic at hand, Grant, because this is yours. And I really appreciate you coming on the air. Uh, your topic is Eric DaCosta's mistakes, and I'm going to let you lead it. We'll just talk about yours one at a time. You got, my understanding is you're going to do this in countdown order for us? In kind of. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so kind of like the, the least serious mistake working your way up to the most serious mistake. A little okay. bit. Yes, okay. I'll try to. Very, try very to. good. All right, Grant. Let's uh, let's uh, take us to the first topic, and uh, and we'll have a good good discussion about it, I hope. Okay, so this topic came up from a thread on the RSR board, started by Bear Arms, so I'd like to give him credit for the good question. And I don't want to be the, the hate DaCosta guy, so <laughs> although I'm talking about DaCosta's mistakes, there really aren't any. He's done a great job. He's exec of the year for a reason. He's it's almost perfect. You wouldn't swap him for any other GM. In the context of that that thread on the board, we're trying to think of what mistakes has he possibly made, and we clutched at a few straws and found a few. And well, even the guys who get a four or five on the review, whatever the top score is, they should still have some questions come up that will allow them to develop their own abilities and whatnot. So that's what we're going to do today. Yeah, targets for improvement, all that, yeah. So the first thing to say about Eric DeCosta's mistakes is he's been great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Ravens roster's great, his moves have been great, everything's been good, really. The only, um, it's too early to tell whether he's drafted well or not, but other than that, top marks across the board, really. All right. Um, yeah. Okay, so, so, so let's let's talk about your first objection in terms of what it was that uh, that he's done. Well, I think the an early one, perhaps, was something that wasn't really a mistake because it didn't turn out bad, but it could have done, which was um, releasing Morris Kennedy in 2019, you know, just before the season. Tavon Young was already injured, already out, so the Ravens had a good starting cornerback depth, but no real backups at that point with the two rookies who weren't ready particularly, Marshall and Averett. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kennedy was a sort of good, solid backup NFL corner. I mean, he right. played a lot for the Jets. The da- Dallas signed him afterwards. So 
I, I liked him a lot as a corner. He was in, I believe, either his fourth or fifth year with the Ravens, but they didn't have any option value left on that contract, which I think went a lot to what they did. Obviously, they weren't going to cut either Marshall or Averett. Or Averett was a second-year player, and Marshall was a rookie. So yeah. those guys have too much value for the future to cut either of them. It was an unfortunate situation. I would have loved for them to keep one extra cornerback, and I really liked Maurice Kennedy. I, I agree with you. I thought he was a, a hell of a corner. Yeah. And it could have been worse if we'd lost another corner because we were playing Everett a little bit before Peters fell into our lap magically mm-hmm. and solved any problem. And Everett wasn't really up to it. I was watching the Seattle game recently and he was a little bit picked on in that one. Yeah. Uh, Seattle, the, other, the other game that he didn't do well was Arizona. I thought he had kind of a bad game in week two. Uh, so, yeah, he, had, he obviously he had some difficulties. I thought it was good that he came back and he played some later in the season. I think he might have played a fair amount against Pittsburgh in the final game of the season and looked pretty pretty decent. So uh, I'm still hopeful that he's going to be a player, but it's certainly something where DaCosta kind of left us hanging for much of a season in terms of having a, an unsolved problem at cornerback before magically getting Peters for uh, 5% of the draft capital that uh, – that, uh, um, Jalen Ramsey was acquired for. <laughs> Don't make that point in the DeCosta's Mistakes podcast. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, it's, um, you know, part, part of it is you make a mistake, and part of it is you go back and correct it. So that this is, this is, I think this is going to be a recurring theme today is how, yes. yeah, there were some mistakes in judgment that, that then were corrected very decisively. Yeah, and very well. Yeah. Because if you look at the cornerback roster at the start of last season, we had. Marlon Humphrey, perfect. Injury-prone Jimmy Smith, Mm -hmm. aging Brandon Carr, Mm -hmm. and rookies who, one of whom the judge wasn't ready for the full season. And one is a bit iffy, so that could have gone much worse than it did. Right. Uh, So so, I think one of the problems that happened, and this is not an Averett-Kennedy solution either way, was that he didn't really have a guy to move to the slot. So for whatever reason... Um, Humphrey was the best of the choices, but that meant that Humphrey's value was reduced, even though he, you know, was all pro. Um, his value was reduced from having to move into slot corner. Yeah. Can I ask you a question about Averett? Sure. Do you think he'll make it? Because it seems this like year at all. Okay, so I think he's got he, because he's got two years of eligibility here left. I think he makes it this year. Uh, it makes the Ravens this year. I'd be very surprised if they if they just decided to cut the cord on him right away. You know, in some ways, what he's done has been good. He had 65 snaps as a rookie at a couple hundred last year. I don't have the exact number on me right now, but that's the approximate number. It's nice to see at least that they're moving towards seeing what they have with the guy. Now, they don't always get that done, particularly with a lower round draft pick. So yeah. I, 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 I think he will make the team. Um, I think in year four, he's a guy who's in jeopardy. So yeah. year four, you don't have any option value left on that first contract, and he, he might be lost at that point. I find him frustrating because he's got a lot of elements of a really good corner. He In, in man, he can really stick to a player. He gets close, and then when the ball comes, he just seems to melt, and he doesn't make any player any attempt, it seems to me. And it seems yeah. like if he could just do something when the ball's there, yeah, I would. 
he's, we've seen elements of not being able to find the ball, not having good um, uh, comfort, obviously, fe- feeling for the ball in the air. And he's not a hyper-physical corner like Humphrey is, where he brings a baseball bat arm across the football after it's caught. So that's also another way that you can play corner if you're if you're not going to have outstanding ball skills. But I, I agree, Averett needs to develop more of one of those things at least, whether it's a physicality, better finding the ball in the air, or better better ability to make a play on the ball as it's coming. So uh, one of those things he needs to get better at. Yeah. Because he seems like he's almost there. He's almost, but yeah, who knows? Okay, so the next very slim straw of a mistake is, and I really sort of love to say this mm-hmm. now that I've seen his film, but drafting J.K. Dobbins in the second in this year's draft. I, 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 uh, I you know, it's one of these things where a second round running back is not what I was expecting. No. But when the Ravens do draft one, my first reaction to this is not a need pick, not on this team. And so it must be a value pick. And so yeah. I I always look at it as they really know. They certainly know better than me, particularly about a position like running back where I'm not really studying it. And, and that they really think they're getting value if they took him here. So from that perspective, I'm not too concerned about it. I, I by the way, felt the same way about Ray Rice when he was drafted. That I, I didn't think that it, it pick didn't make a tremendous amount of sense to me. But I said if the Ravens, you know, like him, that may mean as a value pick. Yeah, that's where I am as well. DeCosta knows of evaluating players better than I would in a hundred lifetimes. He he took who he thought was the best player available. I'm sure he is. And having seen his film, I'm excited to see him play for the Ravens. But at the time of the draft, and a little bit subsequently, I thought we have a, we had needs in that same draft. DeCosta, I think, felt we had needs. Um, take a, took a couple of receivers, a couple of linemen, a couple of defensive linemen, because we had to get younger at those positions or we needed yeah. bodies. That was almost laid out. And it seemed like a sort of a luxury pick. Yeah, they didn't yeah. get their edge rusher. No. So so no. that was a position that was laid bare. And I'm not sure exactly who they thought might have been of value at a certain point along the way. And, and it, based mm. on the fact they picked none and they had a pretty significant need, I would guess that they really didn't f- think that there was a player that was a good value where they were drafting anywhere. Yeah. No, it was really a receiver I was hoping for at that pick. I think okay. There were a lot of Ravens fans going, oh, Denzel Mims is falling. Denzel Mims, yep. Yeah, yeah. But – it would have been it would have been an interesting pick because it's possible they still would have been able to get Dobbins at number sixty if they'd taken mm-hmm. uh, him at fifty five. And then I guess they ended up trading down from sixty and they get, got Matabike at seventy one, yeah. right? Which again was a need, and he looks like a good player. And yeah, I'm sure this will all work out perfectly. I think I was just <laughs> inclined to target a weakness, whereas the Costa wanted to build on a strength in the running game. But my thought yeah. was, we're relying on Boykin and two rookies, hopefully to develop. If one or more of them does, it doesn't matter. It's great. Mm-hmm. Dobbins is great. So if they don't develop, then there's a shortage in the passing game. Whereas without Dobbins, there would be no problem with the running game anyway. It's, yeah. It was a record-breaking running game. 
Legitimate. I mean, obviously, the Ravens feel like I, I think a few things are happening. One is Brown is healthy, and I really expect a huge year out of him, Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And the second is that Boykin very underutilized as a rookie, but he showed a lot of flash in terms of the ability to block for the run game, which is just enormous. Yeah. Even if he's um, his use as a receiver only goes up say thirty percent this year, which would be to me, very surprising if it were that little. I think we're going to see, um, uh, you know, 60 targets, 65 target season probably from from um, Boykin, and and that should really uh, improve his value. And and you know, I think what you're saying is very very meaningful in terms of the Ravens have been on a free agent treadmill at wide receiver for a number of years, and that has big cap implications for the team. They need to avoid. These washed up Michael Crabtree and Jeremy Macklin kind of signings and, and really get down to some players who uh, they develop internally who have real value and they get value on the rookie deal so that they're beating the cap and not either tying or losing to the cap. And you only you get Steve Smith. He's expensive and he, and he's good, but you get a, a worse player and he's bad. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful about both Boykin and Duvernay. As I say, I was really clutching its draws a little bit with that mm-hmm. with that one. Um, let's see. Inside linebacker? Do you want to talk about yeah. that or? Yeah, let's let's talk about that because I think that this is the one where we can say a mistake was made. Whether that mistake mm-hmm. was the Costas, Harbaugh's, Winks, we don't really know. But a mistake was made last year at inside linebacker. The Ravens badly, badly misevaluated Peanut, um, Kenny Young, Chris Board as being enough at the position. And DeCosta did a great job when it became clear that they were not going to be enough. DeCosta did a great job bringing in Fort and Bynes and fixing that. But nevertheless, that had the potential to wreck the season if he hadn't found someone. It really did, and and it shows you that the inside linebacker position has a lot of street level talent that can be good in a in a good scheme. I, I, so many things I I, I want to say about this. I want to I want to stick with the rules of trying to just make kind of one point at a time that we we have on the show. But um, th- those guys, I mean, Peanut it was a great weak side linebacker platoon they had in 2018. And Peanut, Kenny Young, and Levine were terrific as a unit. Nobody played over 42% of the snaps. And one of the consequences of that, or one of the, um, you know, value of that is the play. Each of them was playing snaps that they were more suited to play. So Levine was playing high leverage passing snaps. Young was playing a lot of pass rush snaps and a lot of quick reaction snaps. And Peanut was playing more of the basic run defense downs on the weak side instead of the Mike side where his responsibilities would have been greater. Mm. I I thought that for a lot of time, but having seen them last year without sort of perennial Pro Bowl or CJ Mosley mm. beside them, I'm not sure that even as, as that platoon switching out to their strengths, I'm not sure they would have been enough without sort of a smart player who can cover up for that. 
So Mosley was thing. very special. Yeah, he's very special in that regard. And, you know, a lot of so much crap got tossed Mosley's way about being a bad coverage linebacker, which was because he was having to fill in for the deficits of these other guys. And, and I I think that's a that's a well understood concept. He was as salty about it at the end of it. I mean, when when he had the interception to, to put the Ravens in the playoffs, he was like, you know, I hope this will shut up some of the critics who just say I'm a bad coverage player. So, uh, well, exactly. He was left out there for a long time with a fairly poor pass rush. And all the rest of the, the coverage players were safeties and cornerbacks. So he was obviously going to be the weak link there and be targeted. But most linebackers would struggle at that situation. Yeah, I, I, that's that's certainly true. And, uh, you know, one of the, the plays that set the Ravens back was the in the loss at Kansas City where they allowed the fourth and nine completion to Tariq Hill. Uh, that was a case where... Mosley was left in a very extended play trying to cover tree kill. I mean, what do you expect to happen? If, yeah. if you really expected that to work out, you're crazy. The other one was the, the fourth and 12 play that ended the season mm-hmm. in 2017. Mosley was asked to drop from the a gap to basically yeah. be the underneath guy in a seam route to Boyd. And again, it's just an unbelievably tough assignment. It's, it's not going to, that didn't create any, um, closing of the window from the bottom end, if you want to think about it, on on that route. So it just left an open receiver. Uh, I've just I, I, I think so much of the Ravens' problem was basically scheme related. I think if Mosley had been with Wink um, yeah. in 2019, boy, he would have been great. I mean, it's obviously missed time in 2019, which is a shame that might have happened or it might not have. But Mosley playing within Wink's scheme would have been really terrific with uh, with the way they lined up this last year. Yeah. So do you do you think that the platoon alongside LJ Fort would have been effective? Or do you think it needed a sort of a higher quality linebacker to make up for their deficiencies? Right. I, I actually think I think Fort is a complementary and situational linebacker himself. Hmm. So I don't think yes. he's an every every down Mike. Um, I think he's a, he's a, he's a situational Mike or a situational Will, but he's not a he's not an every down anything. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it kind of is backed up by the fact that Ford in eight years in the NFL only had half a season of total snaps. So it's mm-hmm. it's really kind of uh, uh, been borne out by the fact that he's you know he's played in some good defenses in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, but he's but he's never really gotten a lot of playing time. Yeah. So. Last year, what they tried at linebacker didn't work until the street-level veterans were brought in. This year, we've gone with the two rookies, uh, Queen and Harrison, and then Fort, and then possibly one or more of the special teamer linebackers, Levine, Board, Alaka. Yeah, so it, it should be – I think it'll be Clark in the dimeback role again, so that means he moves up and effectively plays linebacker on passing downs. So it, it makes sense. That really worked out well last year. Levine probably is not going to return to the dime unless there's an injury. He, he played only in the quarter packages, so it's kind of a sad situation because Levine was had the best year ever by a Ravens dime in 2018. Then immediately another guy shows up who's even better, and that's Clark. Uh, and, and it's, it's kind of sad, but, uh, but Levine will be a great special teams player and he'll be a backup if necessary, if something happens to Clark. Yeah. So you, you think he's going to be kept, he'll, he'll make the roster. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think his special teams value alone keeps him around. 
But if it mm. if it comes to it that uh, he's also one of the players that the Ravens get a bargain on in terms of the cap. He's right. they, they can pay him more and cap him less. Yeah, uh, he's got that fringe status thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. So there's a question of whether Bynes should have been kept on because we're relying on rookies to develop. We know that that is hit or miss it's a gamble maybe one yeah. will develop later maybe maybe not at all we just don't know but they've certainly invested a lot of draft capital in the position it's exactly the point i was going to make is that is that i think that the the reason to keep binds is a draft capital argument is that yeah. uh you know you could you could keep him for almost nothing he signed for 1.6 million he's another one of the same type of player who you can sign for more cap for less he i think his, his cost to the Bengals is only Right around a million, might be might be eight hundred thousand, might be a million one, whatever it is. It's a, it's a lower cap cost, and that's obviously very affordable to the Ravens team. Um, I would have loved that. I would have loved him to be kept around after how well he played last year. There must have been something that the Ravens didn't like about the way he played that was m- more or less invisible to us. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have the sideline to sideline speed that a queen brings. But still, I, I, I liked a lot of the positional play. Obviously, he it came in immediately had an impact on the passing game, which we hadn't seen from anyone other than Mosley in several years. Yeah, that must be it. It's the speed aspect because the linebackers they kept last year were fast. The ones they've drafted have got speed. And mm-hmm. so it's just the way they want the defense to look. Defense, sorry, got to be American here. The way they want it to look is faster. And Bynes isn't that. Right. But when they've got an off-season of planning, that's not what they want, obviously. But we we may come to wish that we did have them. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. If 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 both Queen and Harrison don't work out, or or if there are injuries or whatever, it's certainly possible that they end up uh, really wanting to have a player like Bynes again. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I was happy to see him come back and play as well as he did. Just the, the his immediate impact on things was stunning. Stunning yeah. in terms of what he and Fort did, and you know what you, you mentioned the the you know the problem of misevaluating linebackers. It's true. It's a horrible misevaluation of talent to think that mm-hmm. Peanut can play the mic, and they almost mm-hmm. signed him to a long term deal. Yes. Yeah. But, but it, I guess extending that the um, uh, the fact that they were able to immediately and so. Uh, decisively address the problem after four weeks of the season. They said, basically, what we've got here is not working. We're going to flush on these three guys. And basically, they all sat down. Peanut sat, Peanut played a few snaps still, but he was he was basically lost about half his snaps out of that. Young and, and Board didn't play at all after week four. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, Young was eventually traded. They, they acted so decisively to fix the situation. I, I was very impressed by that. And I don't know who to give all the credit for on that, whether it was – Martindale, Harbaugh, or DaCosta, who gets the credit, but it probably some goes to each of them. Yeah, yeah, it was very impressive work. But I'm a bit, a little bit concerned that we've never heard that misevaluation addressed again. Not from Harbaugh, not from DaCosta, not from Wink. It's never come up. What happened? They're, what went wrong? Why it went wrong? Um, I, I hope they're having those discussions internally because that's the kind so. of self-effacing nature they need. But I would yeah. take as good evidence the way the problem was solved is a good mm. indication that they did talk about it internally and say, hey, yes. look, we blew this one. But they, but they, that doesn't mean they said what I think you're saying, Grant, which is that basically 
you know, why did we misevaluate this badly on peanut? How did we miss? How did we miss this decision? How did we decide? How did? Why did we think that peanut could be a mic? Yeah, exactly. And that's with a linebackers coach as the DC. Mm-hmm. Good really point. And and it seems like peanut really just did not know the position at all. Yeah, he, he gambled it, well. He shot through gaps, but. He really didn't know where to line up. Right. He's, he's always smallish in terms of getting caught in the wash and really had no idea what was going on behind him on a pass play. So mm-hmm. the, the, the savvy that Mosley had with regard to understanding what combinations of routes are likely to occur based on where receivers line up and how they break off the line of scrimmage, he didn't really have that. It meant the middle of the field was incredibly vulnerable in those first four weeks while uh, – while he and Young and Board were were uh, were there in the middle. Mm. Um, bit of a question about Malik Harrison. After the draft, <clears throat> I think it was Harbaugh almost immediately came out and said Patrick Queen is a Mike linebacker, and that seems slightly surprising at first. Mm. He's a kind of smaller, quicker guy. Harrison's the big-bodied guy. I thought, okay, so if Queen's the Mike, what's Harrison for? I really liked Harrison. I, thought, I, I wanted us to draft him, and I was really impressed with him. But the fact that he was saying he's not a mate made me think, what is it? What is it they see him as? And I was wondering if they saw him as a replacement for Judon at Sam eventually. You know, that's an interesting. That would be an interesting call. I, I've I have heard talk of him lining up on the outside. I, I haven't really thought about him being a pass rusher. Again, he's he's got good size but not great size for an outside linebacker. Uh and and it would be it would be interesting if they if they were to try and do that. I think Mike m- makes the most sense to me is that if you have both in on rundowns, then he's the Mike and Queen's the Will. If you're on an in a nickel defense, then Queen is the Mike and you have a you have a dime uh, sorry and if you're in the dime, Queen is the mic, and and you have a um, uh, a dime back come in like Clark or whoever it would be to yeah. to stand next to him. I don't have any objection to that, but uh, but you know I think they're trying to make it as easy as possible for Queen specifically, who's got less football experience, and try and get him assimilated to one. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, just saying, just to learn one position. Mm-hmm. Yes. So just thinking that Harrison played quite a lot of outside linebacker in college and his coverage isn't bad, that he could actually do that role perhaps. Because it's not like there's a lot of that kind of linebacker in the draft. They might have, the Ravens might have thought we can find that kind of player another way. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because Sam linebackers are almost impossible to identify at the college level. And the problem is that your good pass rushers, the, the college teams need them to pass rush all the time. They don't want to waste time with them in coverage, and, and also college offenses tend to be less pass-dependent than pro offenses. So what what you would – and I'm not saying – the game has changed a lot. In college 30 years ago, they are almost not at all pass-dependent for, for most schools. But it's it's an interesting point that your, your Sam linebackers, you can't get a good read on them in college. You have to go with a lot of trait-based methods. None of them ever piles up you know, 200 coverage snaps over their entire career – for you to kind of look at it in any meaningful body of work and evaluate it that way. Yeah. So just pure speculation on my part, but just thought perhaps that's the avenue. Okay. So one possible problem from the for the future, one possible mistake at the cost up is offensive tackle depth. 
it's we've got two really good starting tackles and no one else in the roster. Do we have any depth? I don't uh, think so. They're they're very low right now. In fact, you know, one of the things I really wanted to see at camp, and unfortunately I'm not going to get the, get there this year, is who they would be lining up with the twos at yeah. both tackle spots. And and I think that Will Holden is now probably one of the favorites to make the team. And he's a he's listed as a guard by the Ravens. The funny thing is their roster listing him doesn't even have his picture in there. He's he's in his in three NHL seasons, he has been. This is now his seventh NFL team, mm. and he says so. That doesn't that doesn't sound good too. I didn't know. I didn't know he was on the roster at all. Yeah, he's 2017 fifth round draftee by Arizona, who's played very poorly in a couple stints at tackle on both sides, left tackle and right tackle. The Ravens said maybe, or I don't know if the Ravens said this, but the Ravens have him listed on the roster at guard. I presume because the uh, you know he, he has they think he has a better chance to work out there. But frankly, with the with Andre Smith down and with no other backup tackle in house now, no Hurst, um, it's it he I think he becomes one of the prime candidates to to be there. It's it's him. Parker Andrews played a little bit uh, on on the outside, and, and he's got I think five career snaps in the Pittsburgh game are his lifetime experience at tackle. Mm. So that's not very much. And then after that, you have to talk about people who played in college. It's it's Patrick McCarry, who's very short arms, doesn't make a lot of sense to me at tackle in the NFL. Uh, you know, I've watched a fair you know enough tape. Let's put it of uh, Tyree Phillips to believe. I don't think he's the answer at tackle either. I think his, his feet are much too slow for the NFL level, uh, but he might play some there. Looker played at tackle a little bit early in his NFL career, so he's got a little bit of NFL tackle experience, but again, wasn't great. Yeah, and it's been a long time. So he finished a game in 2016 with about 50 snaps at tackle. That's the last time he's played. Before yeah. that, he played his first two years at I think right tackle. I don't think he's played any left tackle, but I might be wrong about that. But he played in 2013 and 14, his first two years in the NFL, he played he played right tackle. Right. So if this proves to be a problem, there aren't there aren't tackles on the street like LJ Fort and Josh no. Bynes we can pick up. There's, if, if we've got a problem at tackle, we have to live with it because they're not available. And COVID with all the linemen um, opting out, has made it made them even scarcer. So exactly, exactly. So, so the NFL is up to 31 offensive and defensive linemen as of the recording of this. And we're recording this on the 12th. This will probably go up in about a week, uh, Grant. So just so you know, uh, mm. it, it recording this on the 12th now with 31 linemen out. That has to affect marginal depth on both sides of the line at the start of the season. And and just this is going to be like we're in December to start the year with regard to what street level talent is available. And we know how thin that is. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a big problem. Right. So I, I was thinking that the, the backup tackle would come from one of the interior players rather than these really, really marginal roster players. I was, I was thinking it would be either Phillips or McCary or Fluker because at least we know they're good enough to be on a roster. Well, it's, it's presumably. That's probably a pretty good, pretty good bet at this point. And it, you really know the depth in the league is thin when you're thinking maybe we should have kept James Hurst. 
I mean, because yeah. that's that tells you how, how how thin the depth is in the league. Absolutely, yeah. His value will have gone up probably yeah. since he moved the shortage. So, do so you think do you think some of these interior players will will focus on playing tackle? Will play tackle all camp? Will just become tackles for the year? Yeah, they've they've talked about that and. I, the guy who might be hurt by this is Phillips because I think he might be their best option at tackle. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a great set of options, but I think he might be he, he might be the option at right tackle. I actually think they'd go to Orlando Brown at left tackle, which is also a little scary because uh, yeah. you know he's, he's not the ideal um, you know fit for that position. But you know Orlando Brown's a very smart tackle, and I think he's got a better chance to handle some of the length needs. And he would become a guy who would try and mirror the opponent, try and figure out what he's doing, and push the other guy by the pocket in the way Ryan Wagner did. Um, mm. I think that's more effective at right tackle anyway than it is at left. But hopefully this is this is a point where Lamar Jackson is able to help him out in terms of his explosiveness makes even the guy on the left side, uh, the, the pass rusher coming from the left side, to be more careful about how he controls his rush lane and and not use every move that he has uh, against Orlando Brown. Yeah. 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 All right, a great set of of uh, of things there. Did you have one more, or is that is that the end of the list, pretty much? No, that's pretty much the end of the list. And and as I've been saying, there really aren't egregious mistakes here. He's done a great job. I, I agree, and and you know they've been they've been the ones that he has made they've been fixed fairly decisively. Now, obviously, still hanging out there on the offensive tackle situation, it would be bad if that cost the Ravens the season, uh, you know, this year. But it has the potential to do so, and you know you got to look at it and call it call it as you see it. Um, but you no, know, it's just perfect. Uh, all the pundits are sort of universal among them that the Ravens have the best roster. Yeah, it does seem like going. That's what they're saying. Yeah. You know, pundits this time of year are really searching for material. One of the things that came up uh, was an article from Bill Barnwell on what everybody's percent chance to make the Hall of Fame was. And <laughs> Lamar Jackson was in the 40 to 70 percent group. And the one that's surprising, after three years in the league, Patrick Mahomes, 100 percent to make the Hall of Fame. 100%. I, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not high. And, and I would probably say in Mahomes' case, it might be 85, but there's still a whole bunch of residual injury risk, you know, at his position that that he's got to get by. And, and of course, a player like Jackson has residual injury risk, plus some other effectiveness questions that have to be resolved permanently, like like uh, uh, can will defenses learn to play him a different way? And then that that changes his level of effectiveness or as his running abilities dwindle will he be able to make up for that with new field general abilities now mahomes has largely answered a lot of those questions so it's just residual injury risk for him but 100 percent, like right now it just it seems too high i think that might be accurate actually because the hall of fame is a perception thing and he's already reached this perception is he the best of all time etc so that even if he has a steep decline it'll take a year or two for that to filter through into kind of popular consciousness so by then, he's got five years of right, and they, whatever they, he believes as top-level play under his belt is Hall of Fame stamped. Well, they've just his reputation has reached such heights that it may be done already. He's, I, it's going to take 
for a quarterback, it, it, he'll, he's going to have to play about 10 years in the league to be considered at all for the Hall of Fame. Now, he has signed for that long already. So you would think that you know it, he'll probably be playing somewhere, even though it might not be Kansas City, for that entire contract. And you know if he moves on to another team, it's a it you know has to play at Indianapolis or someplace where he where you know their situation is being patched by Patrick Mahomes. Um, he could I guess he could still turn around at another franchise and and uh, and make it look well. But uh, I don't I I just I can't abide it at at the with the other risks. I mean he's he's clearly got the talent to do it. The question is only. Does he fall prey to some risk? Uh, we probably would have said the same thing about Michael Vick at some point, uh, that, that, you know, there's so much talent here, he's almost certain to make the Hall of Fame, or maybe not in his case. Um, yeah, because people always had objections, didn't they? Yeah. Um, maybe, though. All right. Well, with Hall of Fame. Grant, thanks so much for joining us today. I've really appreciated great conversation about football. I just love talking about a variety of topics. But, you know, I think the point is well made that DaCosta has made some mistakes over the years, addressed them very quickly in, uh, in each case. And uh, we're, we're so lucky to have him at GM here in Baltimore. I, I, that's the way I feel. Yeah, I wouldn't swap him for any other GM. No chance. All right, well, Grant. Tell people where they can get in contact with you if they want to if they want to uh, hit you up or talk football with you, because obviously that's interesting. Are you on Twitter? Or are you on RSR? I'm, yeah, RSR is the only place I really talk football. So I'm on RSR as um, QTR Nevermore, and that's really that's my football talk. I've occasionally right. posted on Reddit about five times, but really that's it. Okay, very good. Both good boards, Reddit board and, and RSI, I'd recommend them in terms of, of going there and looking for intelligent people to talk about football. It's always a, it's always a fun place to, to, uh, to meet folks. Grant, I appreciate you being on. If you'd like to do a film study short with me, uh, please contact me either by Twitter, uh, direct message at Film Study Ravens, or you can contact me directly by email. It's filmstudy21 at verizon.net. And I'm just looking for a few bullet points on what you want to talk about. And if it's an interesting topic, I'll be sure to hit you up. Uh, we usually move very quickly on this. So, Grant, I just contacted you, what, about three, four days ago, and we're recording already. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, these, these things turn around very quickly. But I'm looking for, for people who want to have a good conversation about football to fuel a, a, a good stream of podcasts here. So, Grant, appreciate you coming on again, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ken. Um and I'm very flattered to be asked because I, I think you've taught me more about football than anybody. So I just want to say thank you for that. Just I've been listening to you for from the start. I, I really appreciate that, Grant. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.
At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.